we have so many people to thank, um, to thank for their investment in this place. I was on the way over to church this morning with a good friend of mine who's poured into my life in countless ways, and he asked the simple question, what's one of your greatest memories? Like, when you think about eight years, what rises to the top? I won't take a lot of time here, but I just want to say a a couple of things. One of the things at the very top of the list for me is our first baptism service. We we held it right down here on the floor, and a couple of things that are memorable about that is the baptistry leaked. Um, We hadn't checked it out. It never crossed anybody's mind to caulk the, uh, the hole that, where the plug is, and there were electrical cords everywhere. And so while people were being baptized, our prayer team was over here praying that nobody would die. <laughs> that catapulted our church into prayer uh, in, in, in a serious way. I, I remember, listen, that one of the coolest things, the moment we started Four Corners Church in this room, um, what was spectacular, and from almost week one, we started giving people a regular chance to begin a relationship with Jesus. That's just a big, big part of our heart here. We want people to begin and then continue and grow in a relationship with Jesus. And so I would throw that out. But I guess the first few weeks, everybody that came, they were already following Jesus. I don't know. But about three weeks in, at this point, nobody had really, like, definitively at least said to me, I've committed my life to Jesus. And so uh, I had a phone call to meet one of the guys at church, and we met over at Panera. And we're sitting there, and he said, at some point in the conversation, he said, well, Ben, I'm ready. I'm like, Ready for what? He's like, I'm ready to do it. I'm like, do, do, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, all that stuff you're talking about, like, you know, follow Jesus. I want to do it. I'm like, oh, that's great. And I'm thinking, uh, you know, well, maybe he can, you know, do it next Sunday. So I, it, it hits me in the moment because I can be a little dull. He's talking about right now, like right now he's ready. So right in Panera, right over here, which was at the time our offices, I let him in like, in like the prayer to, to receive Jesus, and that guy, he no longer lives in our area, but he's still following Jesus and leading his family. When I think about this church in the eight years, are there some fun stories and some crazy moments, but I think about the life change that has happened. I think about how God has taken a group of imperfect people, very imperfect. We have needed heaps of grace, and God has taken that, and he's begun to knit it together and made a beautiful picture. The image that comes to my mind is, we're all just broken glass. We are. We're just broken glass. Churches used to use, in the Middle Ages, broken glass as a metaphor for God's workmanship. The poetry that God was weaving together. He would take individual pieces of broken glass and make a beautiful picture. We call them stained glass windows. That's all they are. Broken glass put together in a form in a way so that a beautiful and then when the light shines on it whoa yeah we're not we're not perfect but sometimes god's light shines in this place in powerful ways that leaves people changed the holy spirit's work in our lives it's like the wheels get greased and we run and we flow and god's agenda and god's will takes place many of you have helped make that happen And as a representative of the staff and the team that started this place, really, nine and a half years ago, but publicly, eight years ago, when we held our first service right here in this room, we just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for your investment. Thank you for making it happen. Thank you for giving me grace. Giving me grace. I didn't realize that as we tried to create a place where grace was regularly preached and God's word was laid open and laid true, that the person who would be the most changed and the most, the biggest recipient of grace would be me. And I got it from the Lord. I got it from you. 
Thank you. Today, we're kicking off a brand new series all about God's will. And the reason we chose this series is because I have seen countless people. Well, I guess we could count them. I just haven't taken time. It's not like billions. But several hundred people I have seen move forward in their relationship with God into a place that maybe they didn't even really know was available to them when they started. And as they stepped forward, taking each step in the direction that God was leading, a beautiful picture in their life was, was emerging. And there were twists and turns and unexpected hurdles along the way. But each step of the way, God was with them and they didn't stop. And they lived out his will step by step. And today they would tell you this. It's the greatest thing they ever began. The greatest thing they ever did in their life was to submit to God's agenda for them. Because when they did it, everything changed. Marriage, kids, money, a sense of future, even the difficulties of their life took on new form. Oh, they didn't get elevated to a plane where none of the pain of life touched them. No, not at all. What happened was, as they lived in this sin-pain-ridden world, they were having another force at work in them that is greater than the forces at work in the world. And it has made all the difference for them. We're beginning this small groups semester. You want to know what makes our church happen? Small groups. Small groups. Now, listen, our band is amazing. And today, I was watching the worship and, and participating and choking back the tears of just gratitude. And I'm thinking, how, is, how are they going to get off of these things? There's, that's crazy. They, they always surprise me. They always try to bring a little extra on our big days. Our band is amazing. We have incredible children's uh, volunteers who just pour love and grace and truth into in the kids lives in a way they partner with us my kids are growing up in jesus because some of you in this room are pouring into them our hospitality people are friendly our coffee's good the the, the sermons are, are from god's word most of the time you can understand them and so we we do a lot of things but what holds us together when we've been mobile church and didn't have a room and couldn't tell our friends where our big sign was what, what's held us together is small groups and so as a church, we're going to rally around this idea of discovering God's will. And for some of you, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be confirmed. It's going to be the most reassuring, confirming experience for you as you plug into small groups around other people going in the same direction you're trying to go. And it's going to affirm that what you began with God a week ago, a month ago, two years ago, eight years ago, it's going to confirm for you that you're doing the right thing. For others of you, it's like you are so close. You've been leaning in with God, but the sweet spot hasn't quite snapped. It hasn't quite happened for you. And you're going to engage small groups, we pray. And what's going to happen for you is you're going to move more into the center of that sweet spot of God's work in your life. I can't wait for that to happen for you. And some of you, honestly, you haven't really asked much about, all right, God, now that I've got salvation taken care of and you're dealing with some of the details of my life, what's the big picture? You haven't even really asked that yet, and you're going to do that. You're going to hear in small groups testimonies from people that are way ahead of you. And their testimonies are going to inspire you and challenge you and encourage you, and it's going to take the lofty ideas of God's word 
And it's going to make it real to you as you look at a flesh and blood person who has done what I'm trying to call you to. Just follow Jesus one step at a time. These testimonies of those people who look a lot like us, they're just further along in the journey, they're going to pull you along. That's why you've got to get in a small group. For some of you who aren't quite in the sweet spot, what's going to happen? Not only are you going to have a burst of insight and get some tangible movement towards God's perfect will for you, not only is that going to happen, you're going to build friendships along the way. And one of the things I love about community at this place is we don't just talk community. We don't just talk relationships as if what the goal is is that we all get together and be friendly. That, that's valid to some degree. We push for more. And you're going to get friends who don't just accept you for where you are, and they'll do that. But they will, with grace and gentleness and some sensitivity to timing, begin to talk to you in truth-filled ways about their lives. And on occasion, they might even speak to yours. Wouldn't it be great if all of your friends loved you enough to tell you the truth? Wouldn't that be great? And they didn't settle simply for being nice to you. But they loved you deeply. For some of you, that's going to happen. That's why you've got to get in small groups. And for some of you, you're not even sure about church yet. At all. You're not even sure about it. Let me tell you. Let me tell you how this church started. It started with a small group. Literally. We were all attending a church across town together. And I got this wild hair that I didn't want to continue to be a chaplain at a high school and give my life to that for the rest of my days. So I sat down with my pastor and said... I think the Lord is calling me back into church work. I've already called my denomination, and there's an opportunity out west. It's a sweet deal. They got a parsonage, full salary, a car, an expense account. Listen, as far as pastorates go, that's a good deal, friends. And I could hear God's voice in that. It, it seems so right. And I'm sitting with my pastor, and he's nodding his head, and he said, Ben, I absolutely affirm God's calling you. We've seen it. The way you and your wife have plugged in, the, the way you've humbled yourself to some teeth, we've seen, uh, absolutely. And then he looks at me and he makes a statement that rocks my world. He said, but I, I don't know that God's calling you to do that. Now, at first I was like, who are you to get in the way of what I want to do? But we had this relationship and he was speaking truth. He said, I, I don't know that God's calling you to do that. Why don't you... And your wife pray about starting a church. Then he says, we'd like to give you $60,000 to go anywhere you want to go in the world and start a church. We believe in you. Whoa. I'd like to tell you all that if you join a small group, I have $60,000. I don't. <laughs> but there is for you an opportunity in God. And Jill and I, my first response was, Matt, I love you. What are you smoking? There's no way. There's no way. That's too risky. I got this deal over here. I went home and I made the commitment. I'll pray about it. And for two nights, I was awake. I, I couldn't sleep. And God began to grow something in me that wasn't even really my grand idea. A week later, I called him and said, we need, we need to talk. And about a week after that, I said, we're going to do this. We didn't know where. And I went to my small group that for us, for Jill and I, it was, it, it, it was the life-giving component of our, of our, of our time together. Our, our kids were very young. Most of these folks had kids, and the ones that didn't now have like 40 of them. Love you guys. Um, 
uh, <laughs> they, they, had, they had, and so we were just like doing life together and cookouts and playing and stuff. And I remember sharing with them and saying, guys, Jill and I are going to make a transition away from this church. We're going to start a church. It looks like we're going go to go around the Union Center area. And so we'll get together one more time. And, um, you know, that's kind of it. We've we got to focus our attention over here. And it was breaking our hearts, but we were so excited. So we got together for that last time. And everybody in the small group, were, we didn't know each other at all the year before. But we had been looking at God's word and getting to know each other and just talking. They, they looked at us and said, we, we think maybe we would like to do this with you. Rocked my world. I didn't realize that as I stepped into God's plan for my life, not even knowing where we were fully going, just taking the one step, that what he would do is he would gift me, not only with the sense of purpose and meaning and lo- satisfying the longings of my heart, he would gift me with incredible friendships an amazing talent that would be pulled together to do something great. And I want to tell you something the scripture says. The scripture says God is no respecter of persons. And while those are the specific details of my story, they're your story too. Some of you just don't know it yet. God will pour into your life as you open yourself up to him. That's why every week I try to get you to take one more step. We started this church to get people to take one more step, to create a place where people could come and hear God's word and understand it and be loved and be accepted. We wouldn't be embarrassed to invite our friends, not because we wanted a cool church, although we got one, but because we wanted people to follow Jesus and experience the working of his will in their lives. God's will is an interesting thing. It's an interesting thing. And as we embark on this journey of looking at his will in our small groups and over the next four weeks here in this room, where what I'll be doing is simply um, kind of hitting the highlights of what you're going to be going deep in in small groups. As we do that, what I want you to remember is this, is that no matter where you are in your journey with the Lord, if you're like in it, I bet you haven't uncovered everything. I bet there's still new reality to be discovered in Christ. And not only that, I bet you can help some folks. You can be like the scripture says. You can be a found person helping find people. You can be a saved person helping to serve people. And when you do that, man, you have made it come full circle. God pours into you, and you begin to pour into somebody else, and the circle of life is complete. It's awesome. And for some of you, as you do it, you're going to like step into that. It's like testing the waters. Your toes, you're going to, for the very first time, and we're going to be cheering you on. We're doing that in here in this room because I want you to understand that walking your life with God makes all the difference. He already knows you. He wired you up. He set it in motion. You're not here today by accident. No matter whether somebody had to like twist your arm to get you here or you came by your own free will, it's not an accident. We believe that God constantly puts things in people's lives to draw them to him. So some of you, like, you're just like, what, what do I do? What do I do, Ben? I want that. I want, what do I do? So we selected a book that we're rallying around. And again, my messages are somewhat coming from there and from my own experiences and learnings from God's word. It's called Just Do Something. The, the idea here is, is that you, you got to engage it's not a call to get people to do more. That, that's not it at all. The, the title's a little deceiving. 
It's engage. Do something to engage God here in this place. Because you and I, we have no idea the rewards on the other side of obedience. Your faithfulness and obedience to God matters. If you're here today, and, it, and it's, it's one of those situations where you're not even sure where you are with Jesus, let me just give you a guarantee that if you'll begin to follow as he leads, even if you're not in a full relationship with him yet, it will open up realities, doors, opportunities, truth, purpose, meaning. He will come alongside you. In fact, he will lead you in ways you can't even imagine right now. So I'm going to share with you a couple of major points about God's will today to just whet your appetite in hopes that no matter whether you're like the deep, you know, you're mature in, in Christ and, and you got it figured out, if you're on that end, or you're like all the way over here and go, oh, that sounds good, Ben, but I don't know. I got so much junk in my life. I can't even see purpose right now. I just am trying to survive. No matter where you are in the spectrum, my hope today is that you'll leave here energized and motivated and with one or two truths from God's word that will serve as like the battery for you to keep moving or to start moving in the right direction. Let let me share with you one simple statement that will guide us today. God's will, God's will for your life, God's will doesn't have to be perfect to me to be perfect for me. God's will doesn't have to be perfect to me That's not essential. And it can be, and it is perfect for me. God's will doesn't have to be perfect to me to be perfect for me. As we embark on this journey of discovering God's will and and pulling out all of its implications in our lives, engaging it even once again, even if you've been doing it for 50 years, is what we're trying to discover is the perfect plan that God has for you. Listen, not only does God want to have a relationship with you, he wants you to live a life of purpose and meaning here and now. He's called churches like this one. Some of them do a good job, some don't. But he's called churches in part to not only share his message of salvation that impacts eternity. You can have a relationship with God that will change your eternal destiny. That's not the only message of the church. The other message is, is not only do you get eternity, but you get what the Bible calls the abundant life here and now. And that abundant life, you walking in abundance, is predicated on you walking God's will for you. And that plan is personalized. It's like two sides of the same coin. One side is God's universal plan that whosoever will that believes in him can have eternal life. It applies to everybody in all ways. God is no respecter of persons. But then the other side of that coin is a very personalized plan where God looks at your DNA and your heritage and the family he placed you in and the hurdles you've gone through and all the things that make you you. And he says, I want to use all of that for my purposes. I want you to use all of it, the good, the bad, the ugly, to glorify me. And in the process, your life is going to be radically transformed. And you'll trade happiness for joy. Now listen, happiness is good. Don't you love to be happy? Happy, happy, joy, joy. My kids, it's like Christmas morning. I mean, I, as a parent, I want every morning to be Christmas morning for them. Except I just don't want to buy and spend the money like, like we do. It gets a little crazy around our house sometimes. I'm always trying to talk them off the ledge, all right? Happy, happy, joy. Happiness is good. Joy? 
Now, joy is the wellspring of which happiness is just a shadow. Joy is the wonderful thing that God will bring you. What joy does is no matter where the turns of your life take you, there is a sense, an internal sense, that you're where you belong, that you fit. When there is joy, fear dissipates. As a pastor, one of the things I observe consistently in our culture, in our church, even in my own life, I struggle here, is this tendency to be fear-based. Will they like me? Will I be good enough? Can I do the job? Will we make it? Where joy is present, you still have real challenges. Happiness often has fleeted away because happiness and fear have a hard time cohabitating in the same space. But where there's joy, you can move forward knowing that your God takes pleasure in you. Joy is a powerful gift that God offers you when you follow his will. One of the things to keep in mind as you move forward in moving along the path that God has designed for you is a simple truth that says, God's will doesn't have to be perfect to me to be perfect for me. See, one of the handicaps here is that we think, maybe we don't think, it's just kind of in our mind. We believe (laughs) that if we were to experience God's will, then it's the kind of thing that's going to give us happiness. It's going to elevate us to the plane of pain-free living. It's going to remove the hurdles. It's going to put us in the sweet spot where everybody's going to look at us and go, you're awesome. Of course, that's not at all what happens. When you look at the Bible, at the people who are in the perfect will of God, just a couple of quick examples. In in your Old Testament Bible, you you can look at Joseph. In the Old Testament, brothers sold him into slavery. It becomes the vehicle by which he ends up in Egypt, away from his homeland in Israel. He's in prison, he's lied about, he's cheated on. Each step of the way, it doesn't look like he's in the middle of God's will. There's a lot of crazy happenings. And yet God was orchestrating piece by piece a plan by which, by which Joseph would go from the pit to the palace, second in charge of Egypt, and begins a plan to save his entire family, the very ones who had done him so much harm. Along the way, it didn't look like God's will was good to Joseph. Oh, but it was good for Joseph. I bet the disciples looking at Jesus, they had put their faith and trust in him as the son of God, the very incarnate God here on earth. When you looked at Jesus, you looked at God. When you listened to Jesus, you were hearing God talk. And I bet when they looked at his life for a long time, it looked like God's will was good to everybody. Woohoo! the dead are raised. The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. God provides everything we need. Multitudes are fed with the smallest amounts of food. But then it turned, and it got ugly. And it ended up with Jesus on a cross dying. And the Bible gives us a very clear description of the followers of Jesus. It's one of the reasons why I believe the Bible is true, because it doesn't paint its heroes with broad brushes. You get to see all their goofiness and all their squirreliness. And at the end of the scene of the cross, all the disciples are gone. I think that deep down they believe that if you followed God, God would be good to them in the ways they defined it. And they discovered that wasn't true. I mean, look at how Jesus prayed. Matthew chapter 26. It's one of the most perplexing passages in your Bible. Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. My father, if it be possible, this is Jesus praying just before the cross. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. 
Jesus had tapped into something that his disciples still found elusive. <laughs> that God's will was good for him, even if he didn't experience it as good to him in a moment. Let me, let me just tell you the truth, because we try to be honest around here. I don't want to oversell or undersell anything with God. You commit your life to Jesus, part of his plan for you is to develop and grow you. And God knows this about you, because it's true for all of us, that we tend to grow the most through challenge and difficulty. I guess it doesn't have to be that way, it just typically is. And so God uses the difficulties that a sinful world brings into our lives to show us his goodness, his power, but also to grow us. In those moments sometimes, we'll wonder, where is God in this? God, am I in your will? It's a good question to ask. But keep in mind that God's will, though it doesn't always seem perfect to you by your standards, it's always perfect for you. That's why I want you to get serious about investigating it. That's why I want you to get serious about moving forward with it. That's why even if you don't even know if you like Jesus and you just came here because somebody promised you lunch today, by the way, make sure they do it and make sure they tip the waitress and waiter. The, the, this is our harvest field here. We try to, to, to treat all the folks that serve around here great. But even if that's why you came, I want you to think about seriously engaging, discovering what God has for you. And seeing what that, that tells you about him and his character. And here's another truth about God's will. You and I already know a lot of God's will. Now, I bet there are details you don't know. Like, who to date? Is this the one to marry? Should I stay in this job? Do we buy this house? Do we move? What do I do with my life? What do I do in this situation? I bet there's a lot of God's will you don't know. But there's a lot of God's will you already know. God gave us the gift of his word. And we're going to be opening it as a group through our small groups over the next four or five weeks. God gave us a lot of truth in his word. And he, here, here's a cool thing about this. You, when you take the parts of God's will that you do already know, like for instance, he, he's already told you, it's his will, how, if you're a wife, how you should treat your husband. There's a large part of that that's already been disclosed. If you're a husband, he already tells you of your basic disposition to your wife. You don't have to wonder, men, how God wants you to treat your wife. He tells you, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Yeah, you don't have to figure that out. If you're a husband here today and wondering, I wonder what God's will is for me as I treat my wife. First of all, I doubt you've ever prayed that prayer, and that might be why you're in the mess you're in. A little truth in advertisement, I don't know. All right. But if you're praying that prayer, I get, listen, you can quit praying. We already know the answer. It's right there in your Bible. There's a lot of God's will you already know, and there's a lot of God's will you could know. Listen, there's no fully uncovering God's will apart from his word. He's already told you so much. That's why we want to bring you God's word every week, every week for eight years, except for the like two Sundays we've had all worship, which was God's word and song. And still good. We brought you God's word regularly in hopes that you could understand, not listen, not to impress you with Bible knowledge. Although I, I could, if I got on that game, you know, Bible trivia, on, I could rack up. The only problem is you have to give your money to charity. And I, I no, that would be good too, I guess. I just, I'd like to have, a, I'd like to have, I mean, we, I think some of us around here, look, I've talked to some of you and you blow me away. We could, we could impress people with our, that's not the point. God didn't give his word to make it seem foreign to us or so that we can impress people. He gave us his word to reveal himself and his will to us. There's so much you already know and so much you could already know. If you'll take what you do know and start following it, here's the cool thing with God's will. The parts you don't know get clearer. 
The parts you don't know get more clear. You get more clarity. You see more light further down the road. For some of us, the reason why there's a cloud over God's will is we haven't obeyed. We haven't followed the part we already know. And so God's will becomes much less mysterious as we move forward. Just a basic principle. God's will to you may not always seem perfect as you experience it, but it's perfect for you. And you and I already know a lot of God's will. In fact, we know more than we follow. And here's another simple little basic truth. God is wanting you to say yes before he even asks the question. You want to know how to fully uncover God's will in your life? Go ahead and set in your heart this idea. God, whatever you ask me to do, whatever you want me to do, before I even know what it is, the answer is yes. Yes. If I believe you want me to do it, the answer is yes. If your will is for me to do it, the answer is yes. If your word is for me, the answer, when you set your heart in the direction of God, wherever you lead, I will follow. Wherever you take me, I'm going to go. Then the cloudiness around God's will for your life begins to dissipate. You already know more than you followed. Me too. Listen, I'm not preaching at you. This is, this is your pastor who's the, well, in one sense, the biggest hypocrite in the room, I guess. I don't live up to what I know, and the gap between what I know and what I do sometimes is great, too great, it's embarrassing. But if I'll follow God where I already know he wants me to go, well, the rest gets more clear. And, and if I already have a yes in my heart, God, what you want for me is what I want for me, and where I don't want it for me, would you help me to make it what you want for me and what I want for me? When you do that, the clouds begin to dissipate, and you get greater clarity. Look at what Proverbs tells us to do. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So that phrase, not on your own understanding, that's simply saying don't simply try to figure this out from an earthly perspective only. Don't try to figure it out only from what you think is best for you. Try to understand God's mind. Leave room for him to speak truth that you don't yet have a handle on. And then it says, in all your ways acknowledge him, seek him, put him first, and then he'll make your path straight you want to know where god wants you to go this verse tells you a part of the secret having a yes in your heart god in all my ways i want to acknowledge you and everything that i do i want you to be first i want your values to be my values where they're not my values would you change me god where i haven't lived up to what you've called me to do i repent when you have that kind of an attitude yes god whatever you want the clouds dissipate the will of god gets more clear it's less fuzzy there's less wondering the steps are more obvious you don't have to believe that God's will is perfect to you to deep down know that it's perfect for you. And you already know a lot of God's will. Our study together is going to help uncover portions of it you haven't yet experienced. But part of what we're going to do is call each other in an honest and truthful way to doing what we already know. And God's wanting the attitude of your heart to be yes. Let me share with you one quick verse about what happens when you have a yes attitude all along the way. Jesus was telling the story about people who who didn't necessarily have the right attitude, and those who did, and how God rewarded or withheld reward depending on where a person was and their attitude towards God. Matthew chapter 25, verse 21, one of the parables about the faithful steward. Here's what Jesus said in telling the story. The master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, this is the servant who took what God had given him and he used it as he was directed to do. He was given a little and he used it as he was directed to use it. There were others who were given a little, and they didn't use it. They squandered it. They buried it. They hid it. 
But one was told, take this, invest it. And he took what God gave him and invested it. The master replies, well done, good and faithful servant. Now listen to this. You've been faithful with a few things, and I'll put you in charge of many. When you set your heart to yes as the default answer to every one of God's directives to you, and you're faithful in the little things, God's grand will becomes more clear to you, and he opens up greater avenues of opportunity for you. He doesn't give you opportunity first and then provide you an opportunity to be faithful, not on the big things. What he does first is, is he calls you to faithfulness in the part that you currently have, the part that's in front of you that's already known. And when you're faithful there, pfft, I've experienced this a thousand times. I've experienced this a thousand times. Years ago, I left a church where I was serving because I just had this internal sense that something with me, not the church, not the leadership, with me wasn't right. I hadn't found my way. And it was a strange thing, but Jill and I prayed about it. We talked, and we felt like it was time to just switch and then wonder what God would do. And I found myself, because God, I knew that God had called me to provide for my family. That was unambiguous in the scripture. So I found myself working construction. I had not worked construction in my life before. When I used to help my father before, I would hold the flashlight while he worked on the car because he was too cheap to hire a mechanic. And then inevitably he'd go something like this, son, all I've asked you to do is hold the flashlight. Can't you keep it right there? So I had kind of like a negative thing. And so I quit this church, but I needed to provide for my family. And so I went to work construction for one of the men in the church. And for months, I learned how to cut wood, erect walls, do drywall, do electric, do plumbing. And I hated every day. Oh, God, why did you bring me out here in the wilderness to kill me? I mean, the words... The words of the children of Israel in Egypt, that they're going from Egypt to the promised land, all the complaining they did, that was me. Well, we're in a building program now. And I have discovered, unbeknownst to me way back then, that a lot of what I needed to be doing for our next phase, I was prepared for a couple decades ago. Complaining the entire time, it's a good thing God didn't listen to me. And he decided to do what was best for me even though I didn't think his will was good to me. It could be you're going through that as well. But if you'll be faithful in the little things, all I needed to do was keep working. I needed to earn some income for my family. I wasn't doing anything close to what I thought my call was. I felt degraded and dehumanized and abandoned by God, and I'm not exaggerating. But I knew I needed to provide, so I worked. I believe God took that faithfulness and parlayed it into something greater than I could ever imagine. And I think he'll do the same thing for you. That's why I want you to dive in deep and rediscover or discover again or look at some new angle of his will for your life. I think it'll leave you changed. There's one last thing I want to tell you. And that is this, that God has something for me that is even greater than his will. Oh, I want you to discover his will and to know the perfect pleasure of God and to walk in purpose and to get up every day saying, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I want that for you. But more important than that, God tells us that greater than his will for you that you get to walk in, the greater part is just him. He wants you to be in a relationship with him even more than he wants you to discover his will. In fact, his will is that you get the relationship part right. And then he's no longer an auxiliary piece of your life. He's the core of your life. 
And he's working not just in the details that we pray about. The Bible reveals that he moves from being with us. Catch this. It's a great prepositional shift. He moves from being with us to being in us. And he begins to maneuver and to direct from within our lives. This is what we prayed for you as a core team long before you ever came. God, use our church to raise up people who don't just pray and ask God to touch the periphery of their life. God, would you raise up this church so that people come into close proximity to you and are changed by your son, by his death and resurrection. And would you take up residence in them so that they become not just people connected to God, they become the very sons and daughters of God. God, would you give us a perpetual motion in the direction of people who get turned and then help other people turn. And so as we embark on eight years heading to 50, I want us to dive down deep with an attitude of yes in our heart, with an attitude of whatever God wants from me, that's what I want. With an attitude that says, God, I don't understand it all and it may not feel good to me, but I know you're good and so what you want from me is perfect for me. I want us to have the attitude of God, I may not know it all, but what I do know, I'm willing to begin following right there. And I don't want anybody in this room to leave today without having a relationship with Jesus. Because the most important thing he wants for you is to begin that relationship where he moves from the outside to the center, to the core of who you are. Yeah, God's will for you is great, but there's something greater, and it's God himself. Let me share with you this one verse. Proverbs 25, 2. <laughs> this is strange. We're talking about discovering God's will. Here's what it says. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. That, that, that one little verse from the Proverbs. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. I'm talking about God wanting to reveal his plan to you. But sometimes parts of it stays fuzzy and cloudy. Because God has a heart for you that is more than just showing you his will so that you can walk in your sweet spot, although that's a part of it. He wants you as you pursue that to discover something greater. And it's him. It could be that as we engage this hardcore over the next several weeks as a church, that one of the things God's going to do for you is show you a picture of himself that you've never seen before. And one thing I've learned, friend, when you get a clearer picture of God, you're not the same anymore. When God's glory radiates big in your life, the word glory simply means shining through. When God's glory shines through your life, boom, the picture is more clear. It's beautiful. It's artwork. The Bible calls it this way. It's your poema in Greek. God is writing a poem in you. And when his light shines in you and you get a bigger picture of him and he's more glorious in your life, that poetry becomes alive. The picture stands in stark contrast to the world or any counterfeit goal that you might have. And it begins with a relationship. Some of you have been around church a long time. And yet you've never quite crossed the line of putting your faith in Jesus. Now here's what I can tell you. Keep praying. God wants to hear you. Keep asking God to bless this and help that. He, he often does. But his heart for you is not to be on the outside, continually adjusting the circumstances so that you're happy. His heart for you is to be in the center, leading and guiding you and taking you to places that you don't even know how to pray for yet. Opening up doors you haven't even considered yet. 
And I don't care if you're 15 or 55. He's not done with you. And I don't care how much you've messed up. He's not done with you. And I don't care how much active sin you're in right now. He's not done with you. So how's your relationship with God going? Do you have one? Why don't you take out your connect card and let's take a few steps together as a congregation. This really is what we started this church for. It certainly wasn't so that we could just be cool or do a few nice things. It wasn't simply so we could build seven wells that are still operating in Uganda or build a church or an orphanage in India. This church has done incredible things around the world. It wasn't just so that we can consistently stock the shelves and reach out Lakota to help underprivileged kids in our own area. And it wasn't just to encourage a few people who already know Jesus and their walk. It was so that we could be sold out to God's agenda. What would it look like if a group of four, five, six hundred people radically committed themselves to Jesus, believed down deep that God's will to me is nowhere near as important My understanding of that is nowhere near as important as believing deep down that his will is perfect for me. What if we believe deep down that we were already going to have a yes in our heart to everything God would ask for us? What if we believe deep down that what God wanted more than anything was to have an intimate relationship with us so that our knowledge of him would be the wellspring from which everything else would be evaluated? We thought that if we could start a church like that, well, it, it might change a family. It might change a a neighborhood. It could change a school. It might change a city. We didn't want to be the big church. We just wanted to bless our community with the truth of God. Not as if we were making the appeal, but as God said, as if he were making his appeal through us. We want you to be a part of that. To do that, you got to get Jesus first. Where he's not, you got to move him to the front of the line. To do that, we have to regularly go with a humble attitude before our Heavenly Father. God, is there anything else you you want from me? Because if you'll just speak, Lord, I'll I'll do it. I'll I'll move. I'll do the thing. We've got to have grace as we do that together because people are messy. But God would do something beautiful. He would take all those pieces of broken glass and he'd shine his light through them. And then we would see what he was up to in this world. And not our music, and not our preaching, and not our praying, but God's glory would draw people to himself. Here's the next step A. If you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior for the first time, we'd love for you to do that. You can check the boxes and act of your faith, and we'll communicate with you via email and in the mail about what that means. And in that email or in the letter that you'll receive, it'll tell you if you want to have a conversation, how you can do that. It's all on you. We just want to help you. In a moment, we're going to pray about it, but next step, B, if you'd like to get baptized. Now, my strong inclination is, is that if you check B and you get baptized next time, you'll be in the first baptism group at our new facility. It's pretty amazing. Nine, uh, eight, nine folks got baptized last week. It was a party around here. It's going to be amazing in the new place. Please, if you need to get baptized because you want to go public with the faith, check the box. Next step, C. You want to sign up for a group? All you got to do is write the number of the group next to next step, C. Just write the number of the group you're in. You're done. If you want more information, put the number of the group and say, I need more info. That's how we'll know you want info and you don't want to be in, all right? You put the number down, you're in. You got to go, all right? So 
Next, that's how you sign up. Very simple, one step. Next step, Dean. Now listen. I will seriously try to attend all four weeks of the God's Will message series. Now, if you've been following Jesus for 50 years or five minutes, I'd like for you to make this commitment. Listen, not because we need you here, although we want you here so bad. We think that this will change your life and your marriage and your family and your kids, your destiny. And I'm not overselling it. I've experienced it. Try to make a concerted effort. Something may come up, of course. We're asking you to make a concerted effort, a real one, to be here so that the hangnail doesn't keep you away. So that the sniffles don't keep you away. Don't sneeze on me, but come. All right? That's all, that's all we're asking. Next step B. Now, a little honesty here. I've ignored parts of God's known will that I already know. And today, I'm going to take a step to follow him at that place. Not the unknown place, but in the place I know that's you check that box let's pray about those things together and then leave here doing something about what you already know and watch how god will reveal more to you as you do that let's pray lord jesus thank you for eight (laughs) amazing years thank you lord for the the people and the talent and their stories and the grace represented in this room god today we want to rally around you We believe that you not only want salvation for us, you have a plan for us. We want to discover that, Lord. Not in a selfish way, but we want to walk in the joy that you have called us to. And for some of us, Lord, it's been a long time since we've really had joy in you. God, there are people here today making a decision to follow you with their lives for the very first time. They're saying, I'm a sinner. Jesus, forgive me. I want you to lead my life, be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for that. God, some of us need to do a little honest business with you. And as we sing, we're asking you to make clear to us where we already know your will and we've just not followed it. God, I pray for each small group leader that as people engage them, they'll sense your love, your acceptance, they'll hear your truth. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.